Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. That's fantastic. Look, worship experience. My, my personal goal is to preach better than our special teams played last night for the Packers. Uh, all right. So, oh, too early. Too early for that one. Sorry. Sorry. Um, look, we're going to get through this. I, I told somebody last night, I think it was Pam I was talking to, or it was Robbie text message. I can't remember, but I'm like, I think I need to write a letter to the Green Bay Packers expressing how hard they made my Sunday morning worship experience now as a pastor. Um, but we're going to get through it because God is good. Amen. Well, welcome to Hillside. My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're a guest with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us. We'd love for you to stop by our table in the foyer before you leave today to pick up some free gifts. Uh, We're so excited that you're here and we're excited to engage with God. At the end of our service today, you have an opportunity uh, to give of tithes and offerings. We do that a little differently here. We have a box in our foyer, uh, so you can give at the end of service, or you can give online at hillsideassembly.org. There's lots of great content on our website as well to answer any questions that you might have about our ministry. I don't want to waste any time because I'm excited to get into what God wants to do today. How about you? So let's get into announcements, and then we're going to go straight into worship from there. the announcements for Sunday, January 23rd, 2022. We're beginning to prepare for this year's annual business meeting, which will be held on Sunday, February 27th. Any new business must be submitted to the church office in writing by Sunday, January 30th to be considered for this year's meeting. Saturday, February 5th. All worship team members are invited to attend the Milwaukee Worship Institute. It will be a mix of large and small breakout sessions. See Mike Nichols for more information. On Saturday, February 19th at 10 a.m., Hillside Assembly is hosting a ladies' get-together with special guest speaker Amanda Olson. Saturday, February 19th at 6.30 p.m., we're inviting all married and engaged couples to attend this year's Marriage Night with guest speakers John and Amanda Olson. Tickets are $10 per couple and will be available for purchase today in our foyer. All attending couples will have an opportunity to win a great giveaway prize. Here's a few quick reminders. Revised membership packets are available in the church foyer. If you're interested in becoming a member, please see Pastor Eric and please have your paperwork submitted to the church office by Sunday, January 30th. We're still looking for some amazing women or married couples to serve in our nursery. If you're interested in this, please sign up in the foyer or talk with Pastor Eric today. Finally, don't forget about some great opportunities that you can plug into. On Sundays from 9 to 9.45 a.m., we have grow groups for all age groups. A list of available classes are available in the foyer. On Wednesday at 6.30 p.m., we'll have adult study and prayer and kids grow groups. 
We hope that you'll take advantage of these opportunities. everyone. Are you ready to worship God? I am so excited to be here today. We started grow groups this morning, and it was great to be able to teach in our grow groups. So if you're not part of a grow group yet, come here at nine o'clock and be a part of one. It's a great experience. So I'm going to have you stand as we begin our service today. Our worship team is coming up. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let's sing that together this morning. Step out of the shadows, step out, run into wide or you dance like the weight has been lifted, grace is waiting. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of His love. For the Spirit is here, let there be freedom, let there be At the sound of Jesus' name, lives made whole, hearts awake. At the sound of Jesus' name, chains will fall, prison shake. At the sound of Jesus' name, lives made whole, hearts awake. At the sound of Jesus' name, yeah.
pray that chains would fall this morning. That you would set people free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is joy. And there is peace. God, let your Spirit reign in this place today. I want to read a scripture verse from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And that's the key verse right there. The battle is not yours, but God's. I don't know what battle you're facing today or what struggle you faced this week, but I want to remind you what it says in this verse here. Do not be discouraged because of it, because the battle is not yours. It's God's. And God is our answer. We're going to teach you a new song this morning called Battle Belongs. And to make it a little bit easier, I just want you to sit down. Um, I think it's a little bit easier to learn a new song while you're sitting than standing. <laughs> to me, the message of this song, the chorus simply says this. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. With hands lifted high, oh God, the battle belongs to you. 
Every fear I place at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. This song has been in my spirit all week, and I pray that whatever battle you might be facing, that you would realize today the battle belongs to Lord. Learn this with us as we sing it this morning. I see is the battle you see my victory when all I see is the mountain you see a mountain and as I walk through the shadow your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. Here's the chorus. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. With my hands lifted high, oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night, oh God. Battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, you see the beauty. When all I see is the cross, God, you see the end. Try this chorus with me now. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. With my hands lifted high, oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night, oh God. Try that chorus again now. When I fight, I'll fight on my knees. With my hands lifted high, oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to you. Here's the bridge now. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle, nothing can stand against Try that again one more time. An almighty fortress, you go before us, nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every
this morning I want to take just a few moments to pray because I know there are some here this morning you're in a battle I know that there's several watching online you're in a battle whether you're watching live with us this morning in the moment or you're watching later this week we know there are battles happening all around us and God wants to come in to the moments where we feel the weakest where we feel that there's no hope he wants to come in and do something great and powerful in your life so just a few prayer requests that we can pray for this morning. Obviously, a lot in our community, a lot in our church are sick um, and having some complications. Some have, been, have come down with COVID and have had some complications. We want to pray for all of you this morning. You are not alone. You're not alone this morning. If you're watching online, you're not feeling well. You are not alone. We love you and God loves you. And we're praying for strength and restoration today for you. Her mom had heart surgery, and so we want to pray for you. And uh, so we want to pray for that this morning. And then this morning, we also want to pray um, for Ukraine, uh, the very serious situation going on there. We have missionaries in country, uh, and in the days ahead are going to have to make some very difficult decisions on what to do. The people in Ukraine... Um, and obviously what happens over the next uh, few days to next few weeks in Ukraine will have an impact across the globe. But most of all, God is in control. And God loves the people that this impacts. So can we take just a moment and lift these prayer requests up to the Lord? His presence is here today. It's in this place. And He came to do amazing things. So let's lift up our voices in prayer together this morning. God, we thank you that we are not alone and that the fight belongs to you. Lord, sometimes we forget that. How important it is for us to call upon your name for help. Lord, this morning we lift up those who are sick and ill, those with pneumonia and other complications this morning, those dealing with all sorts of health issues from headaches to COVID uh, to anxiety to all sorts of other things, that God, you would work in the midst. And you work in amazing ways. Lord, sometimes you snap your fingers and you do healings instantaneously. Sometimes you use amazing men and women who you have called into careers to help others uh, in the medical profession. And Lord, we, we pray that you would send help to those who are in need of help this morning in their bodies, both spiritually, supernaturally, but also physically. God, to provide healing in people's bodies this morning. Lord, we pray for Christine's mom in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray that your will would be done. Lord, you understand all the ins and the outs. And this morning, God, we ask that your will would be done. We pray for Christine this morning who is exhausted. We pray for, for supernatural strength, for supernatural peace. Lord, we pray for Robert and the kids as well this morning that, God, you would move on their behalf. They would know they are not alone that, God, you are working in the midst of this. We may not understand the plan. We may not understand all the ins and outs, but we can trust you. God, move in your power, 
your grace and your might. Lord, we pray this morning for Ukraine. Lord, we lift up our missionaries, those who have taken so much, given so much, Lord God, to be able to go to, to someplace that's not their home by nature, but is their home by calling. Lord, the decisions that they'll have to make about their kids and, and what they're going to do in the days ahead. Lord, I pray for wisdom. There is no judgment. Lord, I pray for no condemnations for our missionaries as they try to make a decision of what you would have them do. Lord, we pray, Lord, for the, the nation of Ukraine and the people and the, the sense of fear, not knowing what tomorrow will bring, what life they might have just a few weeks from now and how things may transition and change. I pray for those in leadership in Ukraine who feel that they are alone, abandoned, that, Lord, that they might, they might call upon the name of the Lord. That they may know that God, the most powerful person, is not who sits at a desk, but who sits on the throne. And that, Lord, the people of Ukraine are not forgotten this morning. That you love them. And, Lord, I pray, would you move on their behalf to do great and mighty things. God, we pray this morning. That God, whatever happens tomorrow, there are days to come. You sit upon a throne. You position things for your glory. Lord, while we cannot fathom how things work out, Lord, that you have a very specific plan, that you're moving pieces we cannot see nor fathom. And that God, you are working things out for your glory to bring more people into the kingdom of God. We give you praise, glory. Let's get ready to dismiss our kids. Grab your stuff and head down with Miss Jackie. She's right there in the back of the sanctuary. Hey, while our kiddos are doing that, let's give them a cheer. Woo! Woo! All right, kiddos, I'll see you downstairs for Rules with Jeff. Looks like Jeb was at the Packers football game last night with that snow. Well, I'm excited to preach this morning. I hope you're ready to hear a word from God today. Let me, let me start by saying this, that I love you as your pastor, and I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And this morning, God loves you enough to step into your life and confront you with some things. Today's message will not be easy, but I want you to know it's not coming from a place out of frustration, um, not on God's part, not on my part. Uh, I'm not pinpointing people this morning. You know, as a pastor, I always hear people say, it's like you preach that message directly to me. Look, that's Holy Spirit. That's not, that's not me. So I want you to know, I am not running and gunning for people in here this morning like, well, I'm going to straighten you out today. Uh, that's not my heart at all. Uh, in fact, I did not plan on preaching this message. This is the fourth rendition that I've written for this message. Originally, what I'm preaching on today was going to be just a quick topic that I was going to touch on and move on. And the more I got into it, the more God was saying, no, no, you got to stick and dwell on this for a minute because I want to say something to my people today in regards to this. So are you ready to have God speak to us, to change us, challenge us, transform us? Great. Three people are ready. The rest of you, I'm going to do my best to bring you along with everybody else. All right. Um, when you come on staff at a church, there are a lot of things that you did not expect, that there were no lessons on, that they don't teach you in Bible college. There are not pastors or people going around speaking saying, hey, here are some things to be aware of. You learn a lot of things firsthand. 
Um, and so that's why we're very grateful that there are ministers with experience that can pour into our lives when we're new in ministry to, to learn things. And there was a valuable lesson I had to learn within the first few weeks of coming on staff at my first position. It's something, again, that, that I'd never read about, no one told me about, no one prepared me for. But it was such a valuable lesson. And it was this. You need to check the expiration date of milk in the church refrigerator before you drink it. No one prepared me for this life lesson. Six weeks into my first ministry experience as a pastor, I went to the church kitchen where I found a gallon of milk in the fridge. And we have a saying when I grew up in my house as a kid that if you're finishing it, you don't need to use a cup. So you can drink it right out of the gallon, right? Out of the jug. And so I was going to finish the milk. And I'm like, great, it's in here. Never even crossed my mind. When was the last time that the church ever used milk? Never looked at the date. I opened that thing up. I love cold milk. Opened it up, took that thing, drank it, and it was thicker than cottage cheese, what went into my mouth. A taste that I still remember to say. It makes my stomach churn just telling the story. I won't say what happened afterwards in the, in the kitchen, but it involved a mop. Um, it was not good. And this morning, I believe that God is taking this moment to say to us, it's time to check the expiration date on the milk in our life. In your spiritual fridge, maybe you have some milk that has gone past its expiration date, and it's spoiling your faith, and you're not even aware of it. You're not even aware of it. So let's jump into it today. Uh, we're going to look back in the book of Mark, chapter 14. We're looking just at two verses, and that's it. If you remember two weeks ago, we went through this whole thing. We're on this process of going through Mark, being just like Jesus. And we talked about, uh, we went through the Garden of Gethsemane, and now Jesus is at, pick up at the end, uh, they had false witness. He left no doubt. I am the Messiah. He boldly made that proclamation. That sent everything into a tizzy. And that's where we're picking up uh, in Mark 14, verse 64. They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit on him, blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. Who are these people who were blindfolding Jesus, who were punching him and mocking him? Who were they? They weren't some kind of crime syndicate. This wasn't members of a mob or, or, or the mob. Or this wasn't some type of street gang. These were religious leaders, elders and priests who were doing this. That should be shocking to us. That's craziness. And yes, there were some people at this, in, in positions of leadership at this trial that were afraid of Jesus' ministry and the fact that Jesus' ministry was gaining momentum and they felt that their, their power and authority was being challenged, that they might lose that. They might lose their influence over people. So yes, that was some of their motivations, but I don't think everybody was in that ballpark. I think there were some people here who were actually convinced that what they were doing in this moment was the right thing to do. 
and that some who felt this was the godly thing to do. Now think about how crazy that is. You think you're doing the right thing for God while you are physically abusing him. There's something wrong there. But these are shoes that we see other people in the Bible deal with as well. In Acts, uh, we see a man named Saul who would go on to be called Paul. He gets roped into this this moment in, in history where Stephen is being stoned, and the Bible says that he was holding the coats of the individuals who were stoning him. He started on the outskirts, but it wasn't much. You can get sucked into things sometimes by the people we hang out with. And all of a sudden, here is this guy who gets sucked in. And in Acts chapter 9, this is where Saul's heart had gone. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats, murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul, Paul, was convinced he was doing the right thing. He was convinced he was doing the godly thing. And it's not till he is confronted by Jesus himself where Jesus goes, why are you persecuting me? (laughs) That that reality gets brought to light. Because Paul is convinced, I'm a righteous, I'm doing the right thing. We'll talk more about Saul when we get into the book of Acts in a few months. But in both these cases, these people are, are, are feeling like they're doing the righteous thing, that they're defending God. But their actions are, are literally physically assaulting Jesus. And the same thing is happening today across our country, across the globe across our state, right here in Ripon, in churches. In fact, I'm going to tell you it's happening right here in this church today. And I'm going to tell tell you you're guilty of it. And so am I. Some of you just all of a sudden got offended. No, pastor, that cannot be true. Let's go through this sermon together and let's just see. How do you get from here to there? How do you get... From here to there. The title of my ad, just like that set, I've heard this time and time again. It seems to come from a few generations that grew up in the church. I'm not entirely sure I understand how it's happened, uh, but I've heard it multiple times. I'm a good Christian. I'm a good Christian woman. I'm a good Christian girl. I'm a good Christian husband. I'm a good Christian. We're a good Christian couple. I've heard it and heard it and heard it. And I usually hear it when something bad happens in somebody's life. They're like, I'm a good Christian. How can this happen to me? See, the very, the very title of my message and that very phrase is unbiblical. See, we like to take things and put them in what I like, silos in our mind. We like to categorize everything. I don't know if it's just an American thing or it's a thing that's, that's a human thing to do. I have a tend- tendency to think it's more of a human trait. But we like to categorize everything. And so we say, we're, there's good Christians and there's bad Christians. What is a bad Christian? What is a good Christian? Because, see, the, those categories don't exist in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that. You are a follower of Jesus or you're not. You're in or you're out. There's not these categories. 
We've made up these categories that don't exist in God's kingdom. But yet in our minds, we have placed them there. I am a good Christian. And if you're saying you're a good Christian, then you are implying in your heart, whether you mean to or not, that there are other people that are bad Christians. So who's a bad Christian in here this morning? Who, who's the good Christian? We often like, we go, well, I'm the good Christian, <laughs> right? And so we've already started off going, maybe we've already abused Jesus without even knowing it. By, by categorizing the people who follow him. Good Christians, bad Christians. And if I asked the question, if I would have started off this morning, who's a good Christian? Look, let's just face it. Most of us there this morning would, would have put, us, put ourselves in that category. Maybe we wouldn't have said it, but we would have thought it. Are, 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 are we as good as we think we are? Do we abuse Christ sometimes? Let me ask you a few questions. Do you, do you get more excited and stirred up about the events happening in our world by listening to, to whether it's a Christian radio or internet or watching the news or whatever it might be? And, and, and look, there's nothing wrong with people talking about the events that are going on, but if you get more riled up, more stirred up, and more excited about the crazy events happening in our world than you do about somebody getting saved you are abusing Christ. I'm just telling you. Because what God gets excited about is when somebody comes into relationship with him. And if that does not excite us, there is something wrong in us. And we need to confront that. We need to look in the mirror and face that. Not ignore it. You can say all the right things. You can read the Bible. You might even be able, you might have it all memorized and you can quote it all. But the words you speak to others around you hurts them, scars them, and leaves damage, and you don't even realize it. You might be abusing Jesus. In over 20 years in ministry, the number one phrase that I have dealt with in ministry by far is the phrase, I want. 75% of the meetings that I have in my office revolve around the phrase, somebody saying, I want. I want different songs. I want something different in my church. I want a different message. I want this in my... And what I have found after 20 plus years... I have more fingers on my hands than I've heard this phrase. What does God want? You know, stop for just a minute. If that question would have been asked by anyone in that trial, God, what do you want? How different it would have turned out. If, if Paul would have just stopped and said to himself, what does God really want? And to ask God that question, I doubt he would have ever even been at the stoning of Stephen. But we very seldom pray that way. We, we, we pray with, with preconceived notions and outcomes without really asking the question, God, what do you want? 
What do you want in my life? What do you want at my workplace? What do you want in our church? What do you want in our community? What do you want? And when we refuse to ask that question, I have to wonder, are we sucker punching Jesus? I want this, Jesus. And yet we think that we're a good Christian and we're holy and righteous and right on course. Have you ever said the word, God can't? And you know what? I'm already going to change that. I don't think it's that important if you've said God can't do something in your life. I think it's far, far more, more important that you mean it in your heart. God, you can't restore my marriage. God, you can't change the situation that I'm in. God, you, you, can't, you can't use our church. God, you can't do this. You can't do that. And we, we, we may not confess that with our mouth, but I know there are people here this morning, you believed it in your heart when you're facing something. Well, that's just the way it's always going to be. And you said, God can't. Over the last few weeks, I have been blown away. I, I've gotten into this thing, uh, studying black holes. Outer space. It's absolutely incredible. It's mind-blowing. It's boggling my mind because we don't understand the science behind it. We have theories, but nobody really understands this. There are thousands and thousands of voids in space with supergravity. And what we think happens is when a sun dies, that the gravity, the weight of the sun collapses in on itself and it creates a black hole. But we really have no idea what happens beyond that. We know that everything and anything that's in the, in the vicinity of this gets sucked in. It bends light. It's incredible. And I was looking at just one black hole and, and it, it, the heat off this thing that it gives off is the distance from, from our sun to Pluto that anything in that range melts instantaneously. We can't see black holes. We see plasma is from the things that have melted that's being sucked towards the black hole. That's what we see. It's incredible. Some black holes, we wouldn't even know they're there except that they give off a slight radiation field. We're like, well, there's a black hole there, because, but we can't see it. We can't identify it. It's incredible. But this one black hole is so huge, so big, and as, as things are getting sucked in at the simultaneous time, there are two streams of energy coming out. These energy fields that are going out, that are visible with eyes, go from a distance. If we, again, measured from our sun to Pluto and we stack that 10 times over, that's how far this energy is being pushed out. And our God created that. And you don't think he can heal you? We don't think that he can step in and do something in situations that we face? Man. Like I do, I just got to wonder, are we abused? God's amazing. And he's so great. And he's so incredible. How, how do we begin to get there? How do good people become corrupt? How does our morality begin to fade away? Let's look at just a few other mindsets this morning. And I could list way more than this. But I'm going to touch just on a few. The first one is this. It's the compensation effect. This is the I justify my behavior method. This is I, 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 the compensation uh, uh, of, uh, of my life because it, basically it's this. 
I can eat salads all week long, so therefore on Sunday I can eat chocolate. And we justify eating wrong because we've done so much good. We think that we can balance out the morality in our life. We're like, we can get credit. It's like going to the bank, bank and I know someone in our house, or someone in our house, someone in our church, just they're in the process of buying a home. You got to have good credit, right? And sometimes we think that morality, our relationship with Jesus is like, I can just store up good morality. I can store up good choices. I can store up good actions and look at all the credit I have. Therefore, I can, I don't have, I can do this because I'm good in all this other stuff. But that's not how the kingdom of God operates. That's us, trying to figure, that's us trying to put humanism into a walk with Christ. And it doesn't work. The compensation effect doesn't work. There's the mindset of, of the power of names. See, if, you, if you, names of things are so important in our culture uh, and in, in our human nature, because it can skew people's sense of reality by naming something. If you... If companies um, are doing unethical practices, right, and they simply name them good things, like we're going to call it financial engineering. We're financially engineering some things in our company. No, that's called accounting fraud. <laughs> it's illegal, right? But we'll, we'll name it something good. And I think we get in danger all the time of renaming things to make us feel better about the things that we're doing. Let's be really clear. God never stumbled when it came to naming things that are good or bad in our life. He was clear cut. Jesus never, never you know, went around the, the bush and, and, and tried to, oh, well, you know, I'm just not going to really nah, kind of mention this. After. No, look, he, if there were things going on, he like, direct, here it is. If you're having an affair on your spouse, if you're cheating on your spouse, it's called an affair. I don't care what fancy name you can come up with it. I'm just sharing love. I'm accepting love. I don't care what you call it. It's sin. It's going to fare. You got to call it for what it is. If you're stealing, it's stealing. It's not, well, you know, they didn't give me a raise at work this year. I'm just taking this as, as my raise. No, no, I'm sorry. You're stealing. It is what it is. There's the cogn cognitive... Uh, um, Cognitive disassociation or dissonance. That's a really fancy way of saying this. Ignore it. And I think this is probably where majority of church people struggle the most. When people feel that they're good, but they're struggling with bad things in their life, cognitive dissonance, I wish I could speak, make them ignore the behavior because they can't tolerate the inconsistency that happens in their heart between their behavior and their beliefs. Their train tracks don't line up. And so instead of dealing with that, they ignore it. And I don't know about you, but when you've got two train tracks and you've got a train coming down the track and your tracks aren't parallel, you're going to have a wreck at some point. At some point in our life, we've got to deal with it. Tunnel vision is a mindset that a lot of people have. And they say, look, it doesn't matter what happens as long as the goal's achieved. I'm going to tell you, that is not the biblical way. That's not how Jesus did ministry, and it's not how, no, if we did not build character tearing down the name of the church and the name of Jesus, when our character does not match. We talk about the pressure of conforming. 
We've all seen the mob mentality in the news the last several years. People can be going about their, their business, doing what they're doing. It's not like they even got up to, that they were planning to, 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 to do things wrong. But all of a sudden, you find yourself in a crowd walking down a street. They're doing things, and people were like, I just picked up a stone and started throwing it. Because everybody else around me was doing it. And what happens is that sometimes when we've got a flaw in us in the church, what we'll do is we'll go, all right, I know Robbie's got the same flaw as me. So we'll just connect with each other and we'll be, we'll just, we'll tell all the good things that are going, but then we've got this flaw and we don't. So we'll just keep this flaw going and it just never deals with it because we'll surround ourselves with a mob that's dealing with the same issue. We're guilty of it. Then there's obedience to authority. The fact is, is that I'm amazed sometimes. I'm shocked, really. I listen to some of the things that people say who call themselves pastors or leaders in the church movement. And I listen to some of the things they say, and I'm like, that. You've taken scripture completely out of context. And yet I will watch churches buy into it. We had a guest speaker at a church that we had one time. Um, He's very charismatic. And he got up and he preached a message. And I'm like, dude, this is like, he, he was right on the borderline of saying that sin doesn't exist. There's not a need for grace. I mean, it was just, it was bizarre. I'm like, this is not even biblical. And he got done preaching, and I thought, surely we're going to have to correct this. He got done and got a standing ovation from the church. And I'm thinking to myself, the guy just manipulated the word of God to say things that it doesn't say. And we cheered and applauded. How is that possible? But we'll follow somebody in authority, not even question well, they got a Jesus sticker on their car. They got credentials, so they must be good to go. We need to understand the Word of God. I, I, it just blows my mind sometimes that people cannot see those things. The lack of the gift of discernment in the church is scary. It is scary. Scary. It's a scary thing, and that's where we see some of these religious leaders in the verse that we read in Mark. You've probably heard the saying that power corrupts, absol- abs- power corrupts, and the absolute power corrupts absolutely. But there's another saying that I want to give you today, and it's a saying that I don't know if anybody's ever said it, but I know that I say it. Authority without humility corrupts character. The biggest problem that happened here in this, in this moment was a lack of humility. And the, the, the absolute show of pride. What happened here in this moment with Jesus and these leaders shows what happens in the church when we lack humility and when we refuse to rein in our pride.
and not even realize it. It is a dangerous thing, and it will control your life, and it will kill you faster than you could ever imagine. Pride kills. That's just not me saying that. Proverbs 16, 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. It is better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Pride is the very thing that drove the wedge of sin in the first place. It's the very reason that Lucifer fell from grace was his pride. Pride led to arrogance. Arrogance led to him thinking that he knew better than God. You see it again in the garden. The devil came, made an offer. Why did they accept? Why why did Eve accept that? Pride. I need to know what I don't know. Pride. And pride is silent. It creeps in. It's something like in your garden, you know this, weeds will show up. They don't need an invitation. You don't have to plant them. They grow like crazy. You can put a weed barrier down. You can do all that, put the preen down. We do that every year here at the church. There is still grass growing in everything around here. We constantly have people picking weeds out of stuff because they don't need an invitation. And guess what? I'm going to tell you, if you are not weeding your heart, you got weeds growing. And i got to be really honest with you. It is not my responsibility nor any other religious leader's responsibility to garden your own heart. It is yours. God has empowered you to do this. Because as I can preach under the unction of the Holy Spirit, I'm called to do that. It is my calling in my life. But it is my responsibility to prune my own heart. It's my responsibility to connect with Jesus and allow Jesus to come into my life and to talk to me about the things that need to change and transform in here. Because once they change in here, this can change and transform. And when this is changed and transformed and this is changed and transformed, all of this can be changed and transformed in our life. Am I making sense? I know it's heavy this morning, but just bear with me. We're going places. Pride kills. Let me give you just a few examples of things that pride kills. Pride kills relationships with people. We've all had a friend, we've all have a loved one who never listens. You've got them in your family, I know it, or maybe you are that person. But you've been there. They talk and talk and talk about themselves, but if you share anything about yourself, they are clueless. No idea. They fall apart when, it, when they're not the center of attention or when the story does not revolve around them. And this is what happens eventually. That causes isolation and you end up alone. And here's what people say that do this. 20 years of ministry, I'll tell you it happens every time. I don't know what happened. So I just said, oh well. I just said, I'm rolling on their loss. I'm like, look, that happens occasionally in your life. But when it happens in every relationship over, over a certain amount of time, there might be a problem. And it may not be everybody else. You have to deal with these things. Pride will kill you. It will isolate you. It will leave you alone. Pride beats people up. It leaves people hurt. It leaves wreckage all around their life. 
and eventually it brings isolation. We're created to have community. And we're better as a people when we're communicating. Ecclesiastes 4, 19 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Help him up. Also, if overpowered, to have relationship. But pride will kill relationship with others. That's why Jesus is so important. Because Jesus is the glue in relationships that holds us together. We don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to have the same mindset about everything or like the same things. Different styles of music is totally acceptable. It's okay because you know what brings us together? The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That's enough to hold us together. And what we spend time doing is trying to get people, I want you to have the same preferences as me. Walk in my shoes. Be the same as me. I'll be walking around, looking the same, wearing the same clothes. It's creepy. I don't want that in church. I want us to be like Jesus. We're not some type of weird cult. Relationships get killed with pride. Pride kills relationship with God. Because here is the thing. I'm not even going to go on my notes. Pride at its heart puts us in, in the driver's seat. Okay? And what happens is, is when we're prideful, why in the world would I need to turn to God? Because I know it all. And so then our prayers just turn into repetition. Like this all happens behind the scenes. It's not like we're like saying, I'm prideful, I'm arrogant. No, it's happening behind the scenes. And all of a sudden we find that our prayers have no power because the only thing that we're doing in our prayer life is we're just bringing a laundry list that we cycle to God. Here's all the things. I've done my part. Good to go. I'm a good Christian. In the meantime, we have no relationship with God. We've read the scriptures, we can quote it, we can say it, but you have no idea what God wants to do because you haven't asked him that question, you haven't spent time with God, you haven't allowed God to come into your heart and cultivate and change and transform your life, and you're wondering why it's so hard. Because your relationship with God is dying because pride has grown up in your life. The milk has gone bad, people, it is spoiled, it smells rotten, and you just can't smell it, your sniffer's busted. It's time to throw out the milk, go to the grocery store, and get some new milk. It's time to weed the garden. And it's time to put our pride in its place and submit to God so that we can have a fresh, vibrant relationship with Him. We need to humble ourselves. And you know one of the greatest ways we humble ourselves before God? We start being thankful for what God is doing, for what we do have, for the relationships God has given us. Yet a majority of our time, we are too busy complaining about what we lack. We'll have our hand firmly planted on some incredible blessings in our life. And instead of thanking God and living in the blessing, we look at our empty hand and we go, woe is me because of what I lack. You are blessed if you are here this morning or you are watching online. God has done more in your life than you can ever fathom or imagine. You have reason to praise, to be thankful, to lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus, this morning. If you've been saved from your sin, you got reason to be thankful. So maybe it's time the church started being thankful and we just zipped our lip on some of the other things and let God deal with it. Pride kills your ability to grow. It stops you from growing. It stops you from learning. It keeps you from developing. 
Why would you need to learn anything more if you believe that you're good, you're right, that you're in the right place? And that's a dangerous place. Because our churches are packed with people who are not growing, who simply sit in the pew, quote the message, get up and say, well, good job, pastor, great job, worship team, walk out the door and there's no transformation. That is not what God has destined you for. He's destined you to continue to develop and grow. It doesn't matter if you're six, 66, or 106 in our church. God's not done with you if you're still breathing. Keep developing. Keep changing the message. Burn out. Burned out your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch, how, watch what I can do. Learn the un forced rhymes of grace. I, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Come on, church. That is what Jesus is calling the church to be. Yet very few of us this morning are experiencing that. Very few. Proverbs 3.34, the Lord mocks the mockers, but he shows favor to the humble. Proverbs 29.23, pride lands you flat on your face. Humility prepares you for honors. It's time for us to be humble. Look at Jesus' example. In the, minute, in, the, in the middle of all this trial and all these things that are happening, what did Jesus do? He showed humility. Our Savior showed humility. At any point in time, he could have snapped his fingers, put an end to this trial. At any point in time, he could have stopped these people who were punching him, blindfolding him, mocking him. With just a word, a snap of a finger, or even a thought, God could have stopped it all. Yet he humbled himself to endure. And if our Savior endured that kind of beating and humiliation, there is nothing that his people cannot endure as well. but you have to have humility at the center of your life. Where is this all taking us, Pastor? If you don't walk away with anything else today, walk away with this. Saved people need a Savior. Of everything I preach, there is not a person in here who's not dealing with something out there. We've all abused Jesus from time to time. Not one of us is worthy to be called a good Christian. But thank goodness we are called. Thank goodness Jesus calls you by name to follow him. And followers fail. But Jesus gives us grace. Not one of these people who abused Jesus in this moment, was condemned. What did Jesus say on the cross? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Grace was available to each and every one of them. Grace is available to you and I when we fail. We'll talk more about that next week when we look at Peter's life and how he failed and how it wasn't as pretty as we like to make it. But saved people need a Savior. Some people have, have criticized me when I've said this, that my need for a Savior is, and I, I probably don't word it correctly, my realization 
of my need for a Savior is more today than the first day I came to Christ. Because I realize how corrupt this vessel is. I realize how broken I am and how much need I have for a Savior in my life. Do you feel that way? And if you don't, maybe there are some weeds that have grown up in your life from hindering you from experiencing that. That's not a bad thing that I feel that way. It's a great thing. My reliance on Jesus is far greater today than it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I thought I understood how ministry worked. Today I realize I don't understand anything. But Jesus is king and the word of God will float when everything else sinks. So I will cling to that. And that's all I need to know. Worship team, if you'd come back. You had these people that were their thing that's very dangerous in the church culture today in our life here in just a moment. But I think the other thing that's very dangerous in the church culture today is we cannot separate the word of God from the character of God. We can't separate the word of God from the qualities of God. We can be really good at talking about grace and really poor at showing it. And that should not be the church. We can talk about love all, all the live long day, but we can't, sometimes we don't show it as the church. That's a problem. On Wednesday, we're going to take a deep dive into, my plan is, we'll see what God wants to do, is to take a deep dive on Wednesday night into the qualities and the character of God. And how we, how, what we need to learn from that. And how we need to respond. So I, I encourage you to come join us on Wednesdays at 6.30. That's what we're going to jump into. But today, we've got to do some work, church. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of throwing the punch that strikes Jesus sometimes. Not in my past, in my present. I'm guilty sometimes of mocking Jesus by my responses to situations or what I've said or what I've done. Sometimes my heart has not been in the right place. Sometimes when I'm dealing with overwhelming things in my life and the weight of the world, it feels like it's on my shoulders. I've said the words internally in my spirit, God can't. And I, I'm broken because of that. I want to have better faith. Maybe this morning the realization has come to you that I'm not a good Christian or a bad Christian. I'm just a follower of Jesus. And I'm broken and I need a Savior today. Maybe you need to repent for some things that happened in your life this week or maybe even this morning or maybe something you've been struggling with for years. You can do it right at, at your, your pew, right in your chair. Maybe you need to turn around and just bow down. Maybe you want to come to the altar and seek God's, God's presence up here. That's fine, too. If you're at home, you can do it right where you're at. But we need a Savior today. I need a Savior in my life today. I'm already a follower of Jesus, but I need a Savior. I need a Savior to save me from myself. And maybe you're in those shoes. Would you find a place where you can stand, you can kneel, you can sit, you can come up here to the platform and kneel at the, the platform is fine. 
but would you find a place to do some work with God? I'll come back and pray in a little bit here, but the worship team is going to lead us, Robbie's going to lead us in that new song again. Because the battle is God's, it's not ours. But we're called to have responsibility, church. It's time to check the fridge for spoiled milk. It's time to weed the garden. Let's deal with the things God's asked us to deal with this morning. Robbie, would you lead us again into worship? When all I see is the battle, you see the victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see the mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. Fight out, fight, oh God, the battle beat your feet. I'll sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. When all I see is the cross, God, you see the empty tomb. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to you Sing that chorus again So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees With my hands lifted high fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our God you shine in the shadows you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our God an almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our god you shine in the shadows you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our god an almighty fortress you go before us 
Nothing can stand against the power of our love. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. With my hands lifted high, oh God, the battle belongs to with me like this so when I fight I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high oh God the battle belongs to you every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night oh God the battle belongs to you Church, brokenness is not a sign of weakness. Bro brokenness is the greatest. Came face to face. Doing the right thing in the presence of God was broken. Some of you here this morning, you're taking this message and you're going the wrong way. I'm the worst Christian. I'm a horrible Christian. No, because there are no, there are no, there are no silos like that. You are a person, a believer, a follower of Jesus, or you're not. You're no, you're no worse than anybody else in here. Oh, Pastor, but you don't know the things that I struggle with. You don't know my heart. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my heart. How is it that that we have great men of God who write in the Bible and say, I'm the chief of sinners. Because they understood this. They understood the power of humility, the power of brokenness in the presence of God. I'm just broken. Church, we've got to learn how to live broken. It's a good place to be. It's a great place to be. I know it's hard. I know the struggles are hard. But God is so great in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our suffering. The presence of God is so sweet. And the victory is so much better when we live broken. Church, would you stand to your feet? I want to pray with you this morning. I'd ask the question, if you're here this morning and you need a Savior, but I already know the answer. Every person here needs the Savior today. So would you pray this prayer with me? Lord, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. There's junk in my life. And I need you. I need a Savior. Pull my life together. Do something amazing with my life. 
I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, and you rose again. And that you call me by name to follow you. Your grace is more than sufficient for my brokenness, for my failings. God, I don't want to be the same. Change me. Help me to grow. Help me to experience. Help me to develop. I don't want to be the same tomorrow as I am today. I don't want to be the same a week from now that I am today. Change me. And may I have a greater realization of who you are and how great you are in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as a church, may we walk in humility. May we be humble. And may we ask the question of you, what do you want? What do you want? in my life? What do you want in my marriage? What do you want in my workplace? What do you want? Because that can change everything. Lord, help us to continually weed out our life of pride. It so quickly grows up and chokes out the life that we're meant to have. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity this morning to celebrate how great our God is. The God who creates black holes that are so mind-blowingly huge that our mind can't even wrap around what's happening, what the, what's out there, how amazing the cosmos is. And Lord, sometimes we forget that you're willing to roll up your sleeves and get involved in the muck. And so as we lift our voices, one for gratitude. The Lord, this morning we can sing a hallelujah over our life, even if it's broken, even if we're suffering, because the King goes with me. The King goes with you, church. That is reason to sing and be joyous and celebrate that you are not alone today. Robbie, would you lead us one last time? And then would you pray over the offering and dismiss, but would you lead us in that song, Raise a Hallelujah? And we, we, we need to praise God. Who needs to praise God today? Come on, we're not leaving here on a down note. We're leaving on a praise note because in my brokenness, God is awesome. Amen? I don't know if you believe it. Do you believe that? Come on, amen. Let's raise our voice. Let's sing a hallelujah and then Robbie will dismiss us this morning. Now raise a hallelujah. Of my enemy, I raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a Up from the ashes
second verse. I wrote the hallelujah with everything inside of me. darkness please I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery I raise a hallelujah fear you lost your hold on me I'm gonna sing I'm gonna Let's give the Lord a shout and clap off for the praise. 
just raise your hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah. God, you are victorious. God, you give us the victory. Glory belongs to you. Lord, we praise your name. Lord, I pray that as we go from this place, that we would walk in that victory. To know that the battle belongs to Lord. And whatever struggle we are facing, when we raise a hallelujah to the Lord, the Spirit of God gives us that victory. God, may we walk in that victory by faith. Lord, I thank you for now this opportunity we have to give of our tithes and our offerings to you. Thank you for how you are supporting this church and how we are able to make a difference in people's lives. God, may you bless each one that gives of their tithe and their offerings. And then, Lord, bring us back next week, again, ready to worship you. God, give us victory this week in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen.